0: Welcome to The Truth, CSGO Podcast, episode 68. Today's episode features an interview with Get Right by Max Mellet at IM Sydney, plus some rundowns of the most recent uh, tournaments. IAM Sydney for one, Blast Madrid, the Astralis controversies, StreamHack Open Rio, roster changes, some upcoming tournaments, and then a few th- little thoughts about giving things up, like video games, addictions, etc.
1: Hey guys, this is Lectrick. I hey guess I'm Guardian. This is Dabs. This is Nico. This is Nifty. This is Chris J. This is Ferr. Godzilla. Blasha. But this is Kerrigan are you listening to truth. The truth. The, truth, the truth, the Truth, the Truth, the Truth, the Truth CSGO podcast. The truth CSGO podcast. The truth CSGO podcast.
0: Are we rushing in or are we going sneaky peaky like? Now, this interview with Get Right was conducted by Max at IEM Sydney the day after their loss to Fnatic, which was one of the most thrilling best of threes I think I've seen in 2019 and should go down as one of the all-time greats. It felt old school. Uh, Obviously, it was ninjas versus Fnatic. But it was a joy to watch. And if you didn't manage to catch IEM Sydney, I actually would recommend it over the final, which was Liquid versus Fnatic, just because it was such an incredible back and forth. So, without further ado, here is the man himself. Get right.
1: Uh, I'm okay. Yeah. Mostly because we lost the game yesterday, and uh, you can always see afterwards, and you can always have different emotions and whatnot. And of course, since we are on the losing side of the coin, you feel very bad about yourself, and you your decision-making wasn't on par yesterday, and you're just super pissed about it. Yes. But in general, I'm happy that I'm becoming healthier again, because like you see on my hands now, even though writers will yeah. not see it, my hands, my knees, my feet, and some other part of my body was yeah. actually full of rashes last week, and it was itchy as fuck, and my hands were like super big, so I couldn't really play that much yeah. that I wanted to. Uh, so, I'm actually happy that, of course, it looks terrible still, but yeah. uh, it's much better than it was last week,
2: and I'm happy to be here. Yeah, for sure. And so, when did the uh, rashes and stuff come on? Before or after you came to Sydney? Uh, it was before. Uh, came around, I think we came back
1: from uh, Leicester on, um, like, Whatever, yeah. last, I don't know, we, we travel so much that so my head is like basically yeah, traveling. Uh, it was on Monday, I think it was, and every time during the summer in Sweden, when it starts to become sunny, which is, you know, we don't have sun that much, but we we do time to time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I usually get like a little bit rashes uh, from the sun, and then it just like fades after two days. So I thought yeah. it was a normal one, but I. It looked like the same like usual every yeah. year, and then all of a sudden it was full on my body, That's and crazy. it was super weird. And like I still have some parts when it's a little bit red yeah. and whatnot, but not it was right. worse. It was really really yeah. bad. So I don't know what it was. According to the doctors, it was like allergic attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: But I couldn't say what it was.
0: Really.
1: So I have no idea what it was, and I'm just happy it's starting to fade away.
2: Yeah, true. Maybe it was like the intensity of that series is like going to be the cure to the uh, rashes, you know?
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe, but uh, it was horrible at least yeah, and uh, since I have so much health problems in general uh, I was wondering what it was yeah, you know yeah. and you get a little bit extra scared because yeah, yeah. of that but uh, you know it's getting better at least as,
2: as long as you're here like you're, you're here and so sort of uh, touched on the yesterday's game briefly um, it was, even though it's, it, it's hard from your perspective because you lost and you're the player there, but in general it was, like, was one, probably will end up being the series of the tournament in terms of how tightly contested it was, how many exciting moments there were, how back and forth it was, and then obviously the narrative and the context, that was the two Swedish teams battling it out. And so in a series that is as intense as that and there's so many moments that you can point to and say, oh, if this went a tiny bit this way, then we could have got this round. I'm really interested as, um, as a team, how you sort of like make reads and how you're sort of able to navigate such a chaotic game because as a viewer it's very very hard to like even keep track of what's going on so as a player is it more difficult or I don't, I don't know
1: I think the longer the game goes and especially when it comes to overtime, time yeah. uh, you are basically playing on autopilot yeah. and you're basically trying to do things more randomly yeah, instead yeah. of actually doing more strict than what you're supposed to be like because you want to make them uncomfortable and you want to make something you know getting them off guard basically and uh, I think that's usually at least before it felt like one of those moments where I shine the most and I actually joined at times more and more nowadays I just feel like my skill isn't really there like it was before I mean I still have it but it's not really you know more stable as it was before uh, so maybe I'm doubting myself a little bit more the longer game goes because I'm a thinker of the day, I normally think about a lot of stuff in real life and whatnot, so I always try to overthink things when I play the game. Before I felt like more safe, I felt like you know I know exactly what I'm doing, I know You're exactly like the, yeah, exactly. I was in control, so I need to relearn that in a way, I, mean, I think. Uh, but during those games, I just feel like it's flip a coin eventually, yeah. who's gonna win it and who's gonna lose it, because of course we have a long, rich history with Fnatic and whatnot, it's Swedish teams, rivalry, and players has been in both teams and whatnot so it's always fun to play those games but it's more fun to play those games in the finals if you ask me I don't think none of us really wanted to play this early in the stage at least semi-finals or finals itself so we're a little bit disappointing in that you know in that regard but you have to be positive at the end of the day yes, yes. and I feel after when we were in Leicester like one and a half weeks ago we were totally off yes. and I felt we were more on the same page in a way but also kind of way off sometimes as well. Uh, but I felt we learned a lot of things. here. At least me personally, I learned a
2: lot from this. And specifically what you learned is that like staying in control and not overthinking things. And is it, is it this sort of things that you learned? Yeah, or?
1: for the individual part, yeah. But it was more about, you know, team-based and right. what we did wrong and what we could have done much better and whatnot. And the worst part is like we have the issue right now where we are like, we're coming to the point where we're overthinking too much. Yes. So we want to remove it more and more and become like, you know, Rather, you do a mistake instead of you know like trying to play the perfect game, because I think as Swedish teams in general, we're a little bit more loose enough, more like not super strict about things. One of the reasons
2: why the game's so fun to watch, right, between you two, because it's similar styles. In way.
1: Exactly, and we're gonna do a lot of mistakes both for teams yes. because we know we're we it too much or too well, you know, or whatnot. So <clears throat> it's interesting at that point, but. I don't like to be on the losing end, that's yeah. I really hate that. And I remember yesterday I sat or lay on the ground outside a pizza place because people were hungry that late and that was the only food we can get and I basically lay on the ground for like twenty minutes just look up at the sky because I was so fucking tilted about yeah. the game. So it was I haven't had that in a long time,
2: so it was. It was I think it was a good thing. Yeah. On some level, that's good that you still have that passion and that. Like, it means so much to lose that game, right? Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, sort of talking a bit more about the styles and sort of the, the mistakes and the looseness. Is it more difficult for you guys to play against a team like Fnatic in the sense they are similar to, you, or do you find it easier playing against like an Astralis because they're more structured? Astralis might be a bad example, but like more structured teams.
1: I think that. Uh, sorry. Mm. sorry. Uh, I think that both us and Fnatic uh, we don't really like to play against each other because the games go super close, uh, at least most of the times, I think like, where is it, we have played six maps total in the last month and sadly we lost both of them, but it's been overtime and 16-14 and blah 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 and whatnot, you know, so... It says a lot about, you know, how similar we are and what we're thinking and what we want to do and so on. And uh, it's, I think those games are just mind games. And if you get the other team off guard and, like, make them, you know, be angry and whatnot, I think we can win it better and they can do the same against us, you know. Yeah, just real quick, do you have any examples of, like, the mind games you might play against Fnatic? Can't really point anything out. I mean, if I will do that, then they will probably use that for next time. Yeah, for sure, sure. (laughs) Uh, But... I think that both of us prefer to play more of a team that we know, but not know like we do each other. You know, like for example, like you said, Extralis. For example, I think both of us actually like to play against them, even though it doesn't seem like we're winning that much. But we think that at least we have a good mindset, that we have a good thinking how to play them and whatnot. You know, we know what we're heading into instead of like here it's gonna be. Yeah. You never know. You just, it's what going to, to be a
2: bloodbath. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah. So it's going to be overtime, 16 fourteens or yeah, whatever yeah. it is, you know, like So that. did you
2: expect the game to go this way before, like, it happened? Uh,
1: not really that much overtimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I had a super good feeling, actually, before the game. Yeah. I felt very confident. I felt very, like, we got this, you know. Yeah. So yes. I was hoping for at least two 16-10 to us, but, you know. I guess it's more entertainment for your fans to also see overtime. the yeah, yeah, time. Yeah.
2: So. Um, but look, look, looking forward, just to sort of close off the interview now, you got Blast and then you got Dallas after that, and even though the series was a hard loss, I think based on just the way you're talking about it, it's something that's very meaningful for the team, and it's sort of going to be this key point where you look back on it and you learn things from this. So how are you going to take the lessons that you're talking about and apply it to the Blast and the DreamHack event? Uh, I
1: can't really go anything in details, yes. but I can say like more I think everyone take it in differently because yes. we speak about it but we don't speak that much into it because we don't want to get people mad or not mad but more like you know getting arguments and whatnot and like debate about what decision making or whatnot. Uh, but for me personally I learned a lot. Uh, can't really go into why and so on but I have a good feeling I think. Uh, things is going to get better from here. That's good.
2: It's good to hear. I'm I'm happy if you're happy. Good. <laughs> Thank you for the chat.
0: Interesting to hear him talk about overthinking things and not wanting to <clears throat> get in the way of actually just playing the game to the best of your ability. I did get involved in a discussion on Reddit recently about <clears throat> a similar thing like that uh, with a player who had come back to CS after uh, several years and found that he just couldn't get beyond a certain threshold and uh, everybody was telling him to do aimbots or do retake servers but the problem, as far as I could tell, was that he was just thinking about things too much and he had a few more years than his previous self who was able to get a much higher rank and as he get older... Your brain collects a lot more detritus. Collects a lot more stuff to get in the way of your reflexes. I think we've talked about it before. And so you kind of have to start doing a little more maintenance on it. And there are various things you can do, which we've talked about on this podcast before. But um, one would imagine that players like him and Forrest and uh, Dennis who are getting on in years relative to the rest of the scene, uh, having to do those sorts of exercises or preparations on the reg, or at least one would hope. <clears throat> Thanks to Max for that uh, interview. I think um, you might be able to tell that I am devoid of pretty much any energy whatsoever. <clears throat> I think I burnt myself out with this job that I've just finished. I Feel like a rubber band whose elasticity is gone, um, and it's going to take some time to get itself back to any sort of rubberiness. But um, there's so much news that has built up in the meantime, and actually, the more this happens in this podcast, the less enthused I get about it because obviously this is old news. So I think um, I think what I'm going to have to do is actually get someone to do this news on the reg, if uh, this sort of job like I've just been on happens again, I'm going to have to... I'm really going to have to need some help. I'm really going to need some help with the news, because I would like to put these out more regularly and go a little more in-depth on the news. For instance, I had a lot to say about IEM Sydney, a lot to say about Blast Madrid, etc., a lot to say about DreamHack Open Rio, but it's old news now, and I don't think there's really... I I don't think I would care to hear about these tournaments again. So I think <clears throat> what I might do is start a Patreon purely to help pay for someone who could compile this news for me. Um, if you think that would be an interesting way to do it and you want to hear the episodes more regularly with a more thorough rundown of the news... Let me know, and uh, that might encourage me to actually put aside a couple of days in the next four or five weeks. I'm on holiday now. I'm having a little bit of time off to uh, get some emotions back. <laughs> I'm so fucking numb. Um, and uh, I put a, put aside a couple of times to create a little Patreon for it, and you can show your support that way. Um, we had am Sydney, as I mentioned and that was a final between Liquid and Fnatic. It was a nail biting uh, matchup, actually. It wasn't as, quite as nail biting as the Fnatic versus NIP, but that was won by Liquid. Twist was the MVP. This was an exciting um, event for Liquid, who finally won their first big major tournament, I think, in two years, three years, perhaps ever. I don't know, there's some ridiculous stat. <coughs> nice to see them finally hoist a trophy in the end. Fnatic seem to have a fairly high uh, glass ceiling. It's, it's very hard for me to tell exactly what is governing their ebb and flow and the ebb and flow of their performance. <coughs> Although I think being such a confidence-based game the irrational self-confidence of JW that he himself has talked about (coughs) and that of Crims, seems to sort of buoy that team to good performances in a sort of regular title fashion. Um, One of the other stories from I.M. Sydney was the fact that Faze didn't actually uh, play with Nico once (coughs) at all. They actually played their first map with Ustillo who stood in for... Adren and Yanko stood in for Nico. Um, he still had the highest rating at the entire tournament in this map. I think it was one point eight or something. So old mate's got a bit of hunger, a bit of a desire to prove himself. Uh, Adren turned up on the next day because he got his visa in time. But this was a disappointing uh, showing for the team that actually won the entire tournament last year. The the visa issue seems to be happening more and more regularly with players, perhaps because we just have more and more tournaments going on. Uh the Australian visa application process is I think I've I've heard it's it's it's, it's as opaque as the American one, which is to say uh, you can get a visa or not get a visa, depending on which person it is who processed your visa on which day and exactly what side of the bed they got out on on which day and you'll never find a reason why or why they did not grant you that visa however there should be no reason why Nico wouldn't get a visa uh, and there shouldn't be any reason why his visa application process would go on longer than expected and considering a team like this are definitely going to reattend an event that they won last year this is a process that probably should have been in the works a lot longer, a lot further ahead. So there's management issues at phase because someone is not riding Nico and Adren the way they should be. Blast Madrid happened before that, which was won by Entz. Uh The big news about this was that they actually beat Astralis in the grand final. This was the second tournament Astralis has failed to pick up the big trophy. And they also beat them on Nuke. They beat them on Nuke and Train, but they thrashed them on Nuke. Sixteen nine, ending their streak at, I think, 31 victories, which is just one shy of uh, Ninjas in Pyjamas record on Inferno, I believe, of 32 wins. Ariel was the MVP of this tournament. And one of the lessons out of this for all punters is that the way to beat Astralis is definitely a confidence-based aggression. What we saw at events in this tournament was just a continual amount of ballsy aggression, pushing everywhere, every which way, knocking Astralis off guard, and sort of discombobulating their little system that they'd set up. I think the reason this stood out for me was because there was an interview with Fallen around this time on HLTV where he talked about the way they used to be at Astralis on Overpass by using sort of irrational rational aggression. And in my, in my sort of nostalgic haze that I'm currently wandering in, I'm in Ljubljana in um, Slovenia trying to work out who I am and where I'm going. Uh, I've been re-watching all the phase matches from ESL One New York 2017, which is when they had their biggest tear and what, what really strikes me about the way they play was just that the, the strats weren't particularly incredible, although actually they were better than I remembered uh, and their T-sides were better than I remembered and Carrigan was constantly mixing up uh, some some pretty interesting little strats. In fact, there was a lot more variety in their strats than there was when Carrigan left and and when Nico was IGLing. Um, but the thing that really stood out was how... Crazy and unrelenting, their aggression was, and you could tell that they were playing with a confidence that they did not have by the end of that particular lineup. Enter, obviously, feeling it now, and uh, Astralis may perhaps not be. Now there has been a bit of a controversy about Australis, aka Blast uh, regarding the their. Mm, how do i say it their co the ownership of that team also being owned by Blast Pro Series we did talk about it last episode but having lost this title as well i think their uh the controversy has increased um mainly because they don't really have uh many tournaments coming up and they seem to have skipped quite a few tournaments in uh, in lieu of attending some of these blast events and there's been a lot of mumblings uh, in the uh, Reddit scene, I think spurred mostly by Richard Lewis, but m- mostly Thorin, who has also uh, come up with the ingenious Blastralis, and he accuses them of basically throwing away their legacy. Now, the main, the main argument for this, that they might be damaging their era, that they've created, or their legacy, um, one of the reasons is that the number two team, Liquid, have two LAN events on the horizon, CS Summit 4 and then DreamHack Masters Dallas before the Danes return to action at the ECS Season 7 Finals, which gives them a chance, I believe, to overtake uh, uh, Astralis in the number one position without Astralis doing anything. Um, Also, the fact that Blast have announced that they're basically going to be doing... I thought it was eight, but apparently it could be nine to 12 uh, events next year. We did say it last episode of the episode ago episode, uh, two episodes ago which was public knowledge before um, Sadikist tweeted it out, when Sadikist t- tweeted it out it, it got a little bit more um, uh, you know, chatter amongst the community, the problem is not that Blast uh, the problem really is not that Blast own, uh, also own Australis that's a, uh, a possible conflict of interest but at this point in time you know, who knows whether it is or not but the uh, Sorry, who knows whether it's sort of being, you know, it's, it's, they're in danger of abusing it anyway. The problem is also not um, that Blast may take over the scene as some sort of megalopoly, because uh, if that happens, that's. <clears throat> I think the community and the other tournaments will fight back against it. I think the real problem is that the format of Blast is so bad and uh, hard to watch and doesn't really tell you who the best team is on that weekend because the best of ones uh, are played so quickly and so swiftly and so if a uh, calendar year is going to be dominated by these events which feel a little more like fairy floss as opposed to the um, steak sandwich of something like... uh, an IEM Sydney, for instance, or a uh, Dream Hack Open, then uh, we're all going to get fat and unhealthy and uh, <laughs> a whole lot of acne. So I think there's, there's definitely things we should be talking about with this BLAST format. I don't think Astralis um, losing BLAST Madrid and BLAST Miami back-to-back means that their era is over. Um... I think uh, they're in a little bit of a tough situation, the community's being slightly too hard on them, because at the end of the day, when they were winning everything uh, back to back, month to month, people were complaining that CS was getting boring, and now that they've decided to skip some events for what they say is their health, uh, people are complaining that they're uh, throwing away their era, so they can't really win, can they? Um, One of the accusations levelled against them was that they decided they couldn't fly to uh, several uh, longer locations or locations further away, for instance, IEM Sydney. Uh, I think Shanghai was one of them, perhaps. And yet uh, a week later device turned up in Dubai on holiday. (laughs) Look, speaking from the place uh, I am in right now, i.e. that of a burnt husk, a shell of a man a hollow um, <clears throat> crustacean that sands meat I, uh, I can sympathise if this is their true if this is their true purpose for skipping events then I can definitely sympathise there's no point burning out especially when you're young because um, you've only got a certain amount of time in which you can fight for the crown uh, it would appear anyway and you can screw up all of your preceding chances by burning them away in one big bonfire. Take it from someone who's uh, burnt several things on the fire of uh, going too hard. Anyway, DreamHack Open Rio was another tournament that was played sometime in the past. (laughs) Before this episode was recorded. I just don't care right now, do I? That was actually, you know what, this was a really, really amazing final. And if you didn't watch this, I actually would recommend it if you're you're sitting around and it's rainy and you're in Wisconsin and there's nothing to do and nowhere to go. uh, Search on YouTube for the final here because this was between Avangar and Furia and this was a cracker of a series. Uh, Avangar absolutely, uh, sorry, absolutely. Avangar managed to win it in the end. <clears throat> in a very very nail biting train actually when getright was talking about the fact that maps that go on too long just turn you into a sort of a an instinctive player an autopilot player someone who's trying to just do crazy shit this was definitely an illustration of said state because the amount of crazy rounds just got they just got bigger and longer and uh, multiplied as the um, You know, the overtime started happening. It was really nice to see Fitch holding the trophy after Avangar won it. Fitch, we talked about a couple of times uh, regarding his tenure on Gambit. He uh, didn't manage to prove himself a lot uh, very much on that team. Didn't seem like he fitted in. Had no idea old mate had a personality. He's a funny guy. We we should see more of him in the scene. If you didn't see his post-match interview, um, well, watch the best of three and then enjoy that because it's a it's a delight. It's nice to see someone holding a trophy with a bit of perso. Um, and also interesting about this uh, tournament was this was the first time we'd seen uh, Vertigo, I believe, played several times, or at least was the first time I'd seen it played several times. Uh, it's, it's kind of still hard for me to follow that map, um, but uh, it didn't make for the most exciting maps. Uh, for one because um, A-bomb site seemed a little bit too hard to uh, for CTs to defend anyway let's move on to some roster news because I'm tired about talking I'm tired of talking about old tournaments now the most recent news we're going to go most recent to most ancient as we did with the tournaments Dennis he of the 1N or Denise or Denice or Den-I-I-S uh, has just, uh, been declared as a stand-in for Nex on Big Nex apparently has more wrist problems he's been uh, attacking himself in the wee hours of the morning too uh, frequently it would appear um, <clears throat> poor old Nex he's had a bit of a, a bit of a rough one I think he yeah, had three months off last year when, um, who was it who stood in? I can't remember. But uh, Dennis has been on Sprout for a long time. He's got a 1.06 rating. He's been a pretty consistent player in Germany. Uh, it's hard for me to tell whether he's sort of a meme or not, but I guess he's been taken pretty seriously by the other players. I think the confusion for me comes around the fact that there is a Reddit thread called uh, the Dennis. I haven't seen them them recently, but they used to spring to his defense uh, at the uh, the drop of a hat in the past. Anyway, that'll be fun to see uh, Dennis back on the team. I think he was with um, Gobby in the past on Mouse Sports, him and Lowell. uh, Never made much of an impression on me in that particular time. I think he's copped a bit of flack from the community for not being a superstar, but uh, that'll be fun to see what happens with Big getting a little bit of a shuffle because they haven't impressed with the current iteration. So who knows? Maybe this will be a little a bit of an alchemical uh, mix that may work out. Neo has been declared the new IGL of phase. This is a trial period. Um, who knows how long this trial period will go on for? But uh, he was released from Virtus Pro in December. He played a few matches as a stand-in with Heroic. If you recall, we talked about it a little bit. At the time, he had an okay performance for a stand-in. It was sort of, uh, you know, pretty reg. He, um, I believe he was playing support in those matches, so it wasn't too bad. Uh, now, FaZe's first match was the day of this um, announcement, uh, their first match with a new lineup, and it was against Virtus Pro, and they were pretty damn terrible, I have to say. Virtus Pro were playing with their new player, Ocalicious, uh, now, Neo, I think we've talked about what the solution to Phases' woes is on this podcast, probably ad nauseum, but uh, Neo being the solution, I don't actually see. Now, I might have said it he was the solution or he could have been the solution a few months ago because we were talking about this sort of authority that someone would need to have to step in as the IGL on that team in particular. In particular, dealing with the egos of Nico and Olaf Meister and Guardian, and I don't mean uh, arrogance. I simply mean the confidence of those players. Now, Neo has the storied history, uh, but I don't know if he has the personality. And what really got me thinking about it was having watched these ESL One New York games from two thousand and seventeen when Phase. Had probably the most dominating tournament I've ever seen any team have, and the main thing about those was that I I, I didn't remember was how good Olaf Meister was. Um, Rain was good, Guardian was good, Nico sort of didn't have to be good at all, but the main thing was Olaf was absolutely amazing, and I think when you get to that age, not only is it clearing your brain of clutter that can allow you to play or to have the sort of instincts that you had when you were younger but it's also it's also getting back the motivation and the energy that you had when you were younger and that becomes a harder thing to do as well the ways in which you envisaged yourself as a 20 year old man or a 19 year old man uh, having success were far more crystal clear, and they get a lot, they get a lot murkier as you get older and you reach the end of your twenties because there's so many more defeats in your image of yourself. It's uh, it's a lot, it's a lot murkier as a as a drawing, and so to reignite the uh, the fire again, it's a different proposition. Um, and it requires a mixture of different sorts of fuel and I think it really requires an outside energy in ways that maybe it didn't when you were younger because we kind of come out of school with a reservoir of energy, I think, especially when you're a kid because you're at the mercy of other people's agendas so much, your teachers and your parents uh, and whoever sort of you're told to be friends with or you feel like you should be friends with so that you have this giant sort of engine with a full tank ready to propel you in whatever direction you want and I think that runs out because you are able to expend it you get all the freedom of moving away from your parents and earning your own salary and choosing your own friends and in a way those decisions that you make autonomously use up that uh, reservoir so I think what this team really needs is someone with an outside energy and desire to win that almost trumps the rest of the team, I think when uh, when those guys came there was a definite feeling that Carrigan really had something to prove and something to win uh, and a desire to win that uh, kind of lit a fire under Olaf Meister uh, and Guardian, who 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 both had sort of come from teams where they were stagnating for a while. Now Neo has been in the wilderness for six months, um, but does he have the sort of galvanizing energy that uh, will reunite and refire up these old players? I don't. It it doesn't seem evident to me. And I think one of the reasons is that he was on the losing team of Veritas Pro for so long that uh, I have my suspicions he had similar issues to mine right now, which is that uh, after a certain point, the energy goes. As for who might be that person out there in the community to light that fire, uh, some, some. I think it was mentioned on one of DK's Per Sources articles uh, that Bentet was thrown around. Bentet, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if he has the uh, gravitas for those other players. But um, thinking about Vertus Pro, it, it, in some ways, it might have made more sense to have looked to Taz uh, because Taz has the sort of energy that may have galvanised the others. Even though he's not the um, he didn't IGL for Virtus Pro in the same way that Neo did at many of their winning tournaments, and he obviously wasn't the fragger uh, that Neo was. As for their solution, I don't know. I think it's uh, I've got a have got a queasy feeling about them. It's very hard to imagine that anybody uh, other than Carrigan at this point could be the person to have to to galvanise them. So I think um, I don't know. I don't have a good feeling about it. I'll probably have more thoughts next episode. Now, in terms of heroic, uh, they have uh, benched Mertz, the youngster who was orping for them and have brought on NATO Sapphics. NATO Sapphics, you might know from cutting his own Frag movies and posting them on YouTube last year for Sprout. I think he's been doing them still regularly, but they got a lot of attention on Reddit uh, last year. He seems to be a fairly uh, consistent player. I think he's 24. He's going to be the new author. Uh, talking about Bentet, uh, Tyloo have decided that Jonta didn't work out for them, so they've kicked him, and I guess uh, looking back for a new coach again. (laughs) At this point, um, if any of you uh, have any suggestions, I'm sure they'd like to hear it. Speaking of coaching, Valens has come back to coaching Cloud9, and Rambo is out. We did a little bit of a bio on Rambo when he was announced as a Cloud9 coach. It appears having authored a handbook for CS 1.6 with Thorin about 50 years ago was not exactly what Cloud9 was looking for and they appear relieved and happy that Valens has decided to give up his uh, algorithms to give up playing chess with DeepMind and get back to motivating that team that team is in a shambles isn't it uh, now some upcoming tournaments, upcoming tournaments we have DreamHack Tours that's $100,000 that's happening uh, next week Funnily enough, I thought when I first got back into the scene that Tours, DreamHack Tours, meant that the DreamHack competition was touring around (laughs) several locations. Little did I know that Tours is actually a city in France. In central France. Now, this is going to be an interesting tournament, actually. It's got Windigo and Instinct, who are the two qualifiers... Uh, the two people who came up through the qualifiers, two teams, I should say. We've got a Vanguard, French Frogs, G2, Ghost, Valiance, and Mouse Sports. Instinct, you might be wondering who the hell is that? They are the team formerly known as LDLC. In other words, they have Devo, Duvac, Sands, Amanek. They're currently ranked 90th. That's a bit of a fall from grace from those guys. Their peak was back in January uh, at the number 20 ranking with the former lineup... If you recall, they made a bit of a splash. We thought this could be the new French team on the scene to upset G2 at the top of the pile. They've had a bit of a uh, crushing snatcheroo from some of the players who've been taken from them, and they've got a lot to prove again. French Frogs, you might also be wondering who the hell they are. French Frogs are previously known as 3D Max. They are Hadji and Logan's new team. They're currently ranked 50th. After this, we have Counter-Strike Summit 4, CS Summit 4. That's happening May 23rd to 26th. That's $150,000. It's happening in in, uh, L.A., in the homeless-ridden, sunny streets of L.A. That's with ENTS, Ghost, Liquid, NRG, Renegades, and Vitality. It's actually a pretty stacked little tawny. As per, I assume, there'll be um, all sorts of uh, ankle socks, padding about a couch commentating on the games after that we have dream hack masters dallas and this is an epic tournament this is happening may 28th to june 2nd this is two hundred fifty thousand dollars, happening in dallas of course dallas texas 16 teams we have lucid dream tyloo g2 windigo c9 cloud nine and that is for those uh confused people out there, Ents, Phase, Liquid, NRG, Ninjas in Pyjamas, North, Renegades, Vitality, Fanatic, Furia, and Isurus, probably the team that you may not know out of all of those is the first one I read out, that's Lucid Dream, they're actually from Thailand, they are the best team in Thailand currently, they've had a couple of uh, back and forths with teams like MVP, PK recently, Uh, their best map is Inferno. Uh, they got here through the Asian qualifier and they're currently ranked 74th so that's, what is it, 16 places better than Instinct aka LDLC so that'll be amazing if they uh, do anything at this Tawny. once again you will note the conspicuous absence of Astralis at any of these tournaments now one uh, of the issues why don't we put a little sting here just to separate this section One of the issues we talked about uh, a few episodes ago was giving up Counter Strike. Should you desire that you want to give up Counter Strike, uh, it was in response to a listener called Jesse, who was worried that uh, he felt he needed to give it up and yet didn't want to. Now, there's a there's a Reddit th- sub that I subscribe to, Reddit thread I subscribe to called Stop Gaming if you're thinking of stopping gaming and you want to stop gaming I suggest uh, have a look at that one of the interesting things about it is that there's a lot of very dramatic statements on it from people who want to quit gaming uh, who in their words have hit rock bottom whose lives have been ruined by gaming despite the fact they're only like 22 or something um, who then decide to uninstall everything and sell their PC and you know go out into the sunshine and, and and Talk to the bees. I think the danger that people like Jesse have to be aware of is that if you swing so far away from what gave you pleasure too rapidly without thinking about it sensibly, you put yourself at risk for how do we say it breaking your willpower. And then going back to it harder than you did before. And the way you can guard against this is to think about it like a a technique you have for making connections. <clears throat> so, one of the things that some people post about is like, well, if you give up an addiction, you have to replace it with some other hobby. So, for instance, if you played Counter-Strike three hours a day, you need to find another way to fill your time. I actually think that's not the right way to look at it. Um, A lot of the thread is dedicated to different things that you can do with your time, like drawing or photography or needlepoint. I don't think replacing one hobby with another is exactly the right way to do it because you could be doing three hours of needlepoint every day and still be unhappy with how much needlepoint you're doing and it might not be the reason you're playing it in the first place one of the reasons may in fact be this idea we've talked about in the past which is you don't have enough meaningful connections and so thinking about replacing it with just another autonomous activity won't be as effective as thinking about replacing it with making and strengthening connections between people in your life and a meaningful connection I think I would probably classify as being honest about your emotions to someone and so if you're thinking about what you're going to do with your time once you have quit counter-strike or whatever you're thinking of quitting then I would be looking to replace it with ways to connect to people in an honest way. One of the techniques I've used for quitting smoking in the past has been reaching out to people when I felt like having a cigarette. And actually, technology makes this really doable in a way that probably it never was. So if I feel like my willpower may not withstand having a cigarette in the next 10 minutes, I'll message someone who I'm close to with whom I can be really honest. And I'll message them something honest about how I'm feeling. And sometimes I don't need them to reply. It's just the actual act of knowing that I'm connecting that satisfies something in me and gets rid of the urge to do that addictive behavior, that dopamine-seeking behavior that was in me only mere seconds before. If you don't have these sorts of connections already, which I think I find a little hard to believe, I think there's a lot of overdramatic men out there or young men out there who are still suffering from the raging narcissism of their teenage years in which the entire world either revolves around them or ignores them entirely. I think we've all got at least one friend uh, or one family member who we probably can be honest with, even if we don't realize it. And if you don't, then I think this idea of changing your behavior or changing your habits should be replaced with the search for meaningful connections. And therefore, the hobbies which you're deciding to replace it with should be uh, ones in which you meet other people. So going cold turkey on these things, uh, I just I would be careful about it. It's going to hurt you, I think, if you don't have a support in place. It's a little bit like jumping onto a lily pad as opposed to jumping onto a rock. Um, I did have a conversation about this with a friend a couple of days ago who believes that willpower is something that we should be practicing all the time. And he had been playing Hearthstone sort of out of the blue for a week straight. And then instead of quitting it entirely because he was like, well, what am I doing with my life? He decided to just limit it to three games in the morning and that would be it. And he believes that by limiting it, he's building up his willpower because he's exercising a little more choice and I'm talking about a little more choice rather than having deleted it or deleted Steam, uh, which obviously makes his job easier, but it doesn't remind him how good his willpower is. And I think there's a fair amount of evidence to suggest that we have a limited amount of willpower and the same way we sort of have a limited amount of push-ups we can do. It takes energy to make a decision and there's only so many decisions that we can make in a day before... Well, basically, we go to sleep for the next day. So that's an interesting theory. Uh, I haven't found that works for me. For instance, quitting smoking. Um, Maybe it's different with a game. Uh, And maybe it's impossible to go from 0 to 100, although I think in some ways, for some tasks, that may be the only way you can go. Uh, I'm going to kind of use him as a test subject and ask him how he's going in the next couple of weeks and report back. And in the meantime, if you're if you're out there and you're like Jesse and you want to quit Counter-Strike, just have a think about what you're going to replace it with and whether or not those activities are going to increase your meaningful connections with people or are simply going to sit you in front of your computer again and cause you to fester (laughs) emotionally Uh, right, that's it for this week Um, the podcast is produced by me it's uh, read by me it's edited by me and um, I put it into the world at thetruthcsgo.com we're on twitter at thetruthcsgo the interview today was by Max Mellett he's at max underscore Mellett I thought today was a good one, actually. Uh, he went to some good places with Get Right. I was kind of jealous that he did that one. I would have loved to have had a chat with Old Mate. Um, we're affiliated sort of loosely with CSGO2Asia. I think they stopped posting our episodes. I'm going to put in a little um, disclaimer here, actually, in case they stopped listening entirely, CSGO2Asia. Are you still out there? Do you still even care? Music was by Beaufort, and we have a little Discord channel. It's on the Twitter uh, I think occasionally we've got some little discussions going on there it's kind of you know it rolls along um, if you like the podcast or have any feedback you can uh, get in touch the truth at the truthcsgo.com or leave a little uh, review on iTunes or stitcher or wherever you subscribe to the podcast all right until next time enjoy the game